Okay, welcome to the Honest Table. Uh, last week, uh, we had Kellen on, and we were talking about the change that he's gone through, through everything that he saw. This week, we are lucky enough to have his significant other that saw the ugly. Uh, Courtney is with us. A um, lot of discussion about her in uh, Kellen's piece. Um, the idea behind this one is to understand uh, her side of what she went through in tracking that. So we'll kick it off with the first question I asked Kellen last week, which was, where were you 14 years ago? <sighs> 14 years ago. Uh, I will be 30 this next month. Uh, so that probably puts me at 15. I was sitting in my room with NSYNC posters and Backstreet Boy posters and uh, trying to fit as many of those wannabe gothic rubber band bracelets on my arm uh, as you could fit. Uh, I was trying to probably figure out which of my, I was so excited about uh, CDs and my six dicks changer because not just one, but six could fit. Um, I would probably have a mixture between Caesar and Stevie Ray Vaughan and an NSYNC CD with, I'm sure, Cher as well. Uh, trying to just... <laughs> slick my hair back and try to look as cool as possible. I was trying to uh, figure out my identity between your Avril Lavigne goth girl um, to someone a little bit more, not necessarily presentable, but through um, my parents' eyes, maybe a little bit more preppy. Uh, more so just like my sister, maybe not necessarily preppy, just well put together. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't. I was very awkward. Um, so I went through, tried to uh, make my parents happy, tried to make myself a little bit more presentable. If not, if I didn't get my act together, uh, I was probably going to end up in military school. And when I say military school, I wasn't some bad kid that was just going through tough times. My version of a bad kid, um, messy rooms, not doing homework. Um, not because I wasn't smart, just because I was bored. I wanted attention, uh, I guess, more than anything else. Um, <clears throat> then going on from 15, 16, uh, 17, you know, high school was hard. Uh, being awkward, being made fun of for how you walk and how you talk. Um, I promise I am a girl. I know my voice is very deep right now, <clears throat> but I promise I'm a lady. Um, you know, I get I used to get made fun of for that a lot. Now I just use it as a joke because who gives a shit? Um, so uh, high school was hard. I went through some interesting times. I had uh, started dating somebody senior year. Uh, I worked at as a hostess at Cheddar's. Uh, of course, your first little real job in the world. I had been a cheerleading coach at where I cheered for a while, but this was an actual first kind of job. Um, started dating a 22-year-old server that worked there. Um, I had also gotten sick after we had started dating. I, myself, had a kidney problem. I, uh, Being younger, you never know as a woman. Like, I guess I didn't pay attention with my shitty diet and... Uh, you know, kids, you don't drink water. You drink eight sodas in a day and a can of Pringles, and we consider that uh, nutrition. So 
I had, I guess, a bladder infection that led my kidney to be four times its size. That put me in the hospital for about seven to eight days. Um, um, it's kind of hard to talk about, but within an hour um, that I had checked out of the hospital, uh, my boyfriend at the time, Josh, had been pronounced dead. Um, this was hard to hear. Because you expect it's going to be a car crash or, um, you know, you don't expect someone to say that someone that you had been dating again, 17, we've been dating two weeks. I'm not saying that this was some lifetime love affair, but um, at 17, when you're the most impressionable, hearing that they died of a heroin overdose, um is a tough pill to swallow. Then to share that with your, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with your parents, that someone that you had been dating not only older than you, technically illegal, especially in my parents' eyes, um, that someone that you had been dating had overdosed on heroin, and then all the questions come up like, who are you hanging out with? How would you have even met this person, you know? They start questioning, you know, what they've done. And they didn't do anything wrong. I, again, just had met somebody working where I worked. And casually, again, 17 dating isn't really going out, however you'd like to say it. Um, we had pretty much just gotten to work together. But hearing that was hard and watching my parents try to understand what I was going through, they didn't, they didn't know how to handle it. Uh, they didn't know what to say. Um, they didn't know how to comfort me and deal with what I was dealing with because in their eyes, uh, what had happened was wrong. So, um, swallowing that and making it through that, um, I had probably hung out with some people I shouldn't have, um, following his death and, you know, <clears throat> looking at yourself in the mirror at someone else's apartment, it's like, You've been up all night. You've probably been doing some things that you shouldn't have. Uh, watching someone else treat their child. I, I, long story short, I was in an apartment. A, a friend who I thought was a friend of mine was probably about 10 years older than me. Uh, she had been doing some drugs. Uh, she pretty much left her kid outside. Not necessarily to freeze, but it was 30 degrees without a coat on so she could do whatever she was doing. At that point, it was like this realization, like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I here? Like, I, I don't want to end up like Josh. I don't want to be uh, a part of this life. Obviously, you know, look where it leads you. Um, so from there, um, tapping my poor nails in the microphone. Sorry, y'all. Um, so from there, uh, I graduated. Um, I tried to do the college thing. I loved art so much. Um, all the women um, on my mother's side can draw. My sister, who is very smart, uh, very good with numbers, she can still draw anything that you want. My grandmother, who had Alzheimer's, didn't couldn't remember how to eat, but she could draw you anything. That's um, what I wanted to do. But in a world that was turning everything um, from realistic art media 
was turning into digital art media. It was turning into more web. I didn't want to do web designing. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make art with my hands. Um, I wanted to do something with my hands. And of course, you know, unless you're dead, artists really don't tend to make a whole lot of money. The whole That's where this phrase, starving artist, comes from. Um, my parents would say that, you know, that's, you don't need to be a starving artist. And even my mother, who's very talented and would do art projects on the side, you know, she was like, that's, it's going to be hard to make that a career. So you need to do something besides that, like business. Well, Courtney doesn't do very good with business classes because it would be so hard to find myself trying to move through all these herds of people to class at 8 a.m., trying to go to a vending machine where there should be candy and buying a fucking Scantron. I'm like, no, you're giving me the test. You you should be giving me the Scantron. I'm paying to come to school. I should be buying M&Ms and a soda. I shouldn't be buying a fucking Scantron and pens. Um, so from there, that did not work out um, at all. I was skipping the class. The only class I didn't skip was my three-hour art class. Um, I had that three times a week. It was wonderful. Um, but I was dropping classes, and you're only allowed legally to drop six classes before, I mean, college doesn't really care to accept you anymore. And I'd already dropped four within my first semester. Um, so my parents, knowing that I had a long way to go, at one point had suggested um, Baylor University because I think they had a friend that maybe would have gotten me a back way in. I could have cared less about a back way in. I think they just wanted me to have the same college experience my sister had uh she went to AM, great school i love the culture there i've been there a million times i could give you a tour i probably have more AM shirts and revelies i could open up my own shop um but i love the culture down there nothing bad about it i just think they wanted me to have the same college experience and that's just not i just had no interest um it's not something that i guess i wanted to be a part of um so Thank God, my mother's uh, hairstylist, they were opening their own cosmetology school. I had actually done cheerleading with her daughter prior, excuse me, um, for sniffling. Um, so they had opened their own school, and if it wasn't for their friendship and from her talking maybe with her hairstylist, thank God they finally let me go. Um, and I think a lot of it came from my grandmother as uh, per her persuasion as well because this was an art form it was instead of painting on a canvas i was using hair as a canvas so the mediums have just shifted um so i really enjoyed it it was hands-on i got to talk to people all the time um you got cash on the spot i was used to being a bartender or a um, server always having cash on hand so instead of having to wait two weeks for a paycheck or something you always had cash money flowing um it was definitely my niche. Um, not to say that my first few months at cosmetology school weren't tough. Um, I was in trouble a lot for stupid shit um, over such stupid stuff. And women are so catty. Um, not to say all women are catty, but high, high school enough is bad, but cosmetology school is even worse. You've got 100 women stuffed in a box with maybe two or three men and trying to all get along. And, oh, thank God that's over. But... Um, at the end of school, I will say I turned around and it, it did, it t did turn out for the better. Uh, they would, I would probably, I, I would be curious to hear their opinion of my school stay there was, I bet they would laugh before they would probably answer you. Um, 
But that that leads up to um, they helped me get my first job in Arlington. Um, I worked at a salon over there um, in South Arlington. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, it, they taught me so much about business. They taught me about showing up on time, being accountable, uh, how you look presentable. But they never judged me on how I wanted to look presentable. It was always, you want to shave the side of your head and get it tattooed? Fucking do it. If you want to get your throat pierced, do it. Um, but you're still going to wear dress pants and wear nice jewelry and have makeup on and your hair done. Um, but that's fine. You can be you. Um, and to be honest, I would probably still be there if, you know, this is also 10 years ago. But salary 10 years ago was about $300 a week and $300 a week for 70 hours a week. It's just not, it just wasn't feasible. So um, that's the only reason why I left. But wonderful salon, but I had left there and uh, tried to have my own salon spot in Arlington, big giant room. I didn't have any of my clientele. I had that maybe two months. Uh, and then from there, I closed that down and I went to work in Colleyville. Um, very nice salon, wasn't my style. You know, I got along with everybody, but the clientele there, you know, it, I'm not bashing anyone from that side of town by any means. But having a 16-year-old, you know, come in on a daily basis saying that they wrecked their brand new 2019 Mercedes and mom and dad will buy them a new one and, you know, and just doing highlight after highlight and a highlight, it just gets very mundane. I wanted to be more creative. Um, and people also there where I was just working at the time really weren't um, positive about me being creative as the way I looked. I had to tone down a lot of how I looked. Um, so that wasn't, excuse me, um, you know, that wasn't fun on a daily basis to have to worry about what you're wearing or if your tattoos are covered, how much of your tattoos are showing, um, all that good jazz. And so from there, I had actually been picked up from some people from Fort Worth. Um, I started working in a salon uh, over off 7th and it was great. We did fashion shows. We did um, all types of stuff uh, from hair shows, fashion shows, zombie shows, robot shows. Um, it was so fun and creative and I got to be immersed into this like club lifestyle. Um, and at 21, you know, no one even showed up to my 21st birthday. So me getting to go out with friends and get to kind of have that wild and crazy do whatever um and with a bunch of beautiful people no less like a bunch of hairstylists and industry people you go out with and it's like everyone knows how to put themselves together and so you're like this squad of good looking people you know um i loved it and it was fun but i mean every day we we would drink there was a liquor store across the street i mean i probably bought a bottle of sky yeah, almost every day for a month at one point just because we would just drink in between clients and it just became the norm. Um, and it was, you know, it was fun. I met some beautiful people, but you know that it, you can't do that forever. You, you can't put your body through that forever and um, nor are you going to grow your business or your career doing so. Um, I will say I think it was a good transition into me going and owning my own business at uh, Zeba. Um, that was an eye-opener because you had to go from not having to worry about rent, product, what your furniture was like, you know, all of this to keeping up with 
a weekly rent on top of you know your bills at home and the product and you know the furniture and making sure that your clients are happy in this new space and um, it, that definitely was uh, a, a testament of uh, what is the word I'm looking for um, not dedication but um, oh, not determination I guess just the will to, um, to keep going and to be there and to be diligent about being there because your business is only going to thrive with how much that you put in it I mean, if you don't show up and you're not there and you don't continue to grow and learn, your business will continue to stay stagnant and to not grow and to not learn. Um, and I had to figure that out the hard way. Um, when I first started working there, I met my lovely, uh, now hubby, or some people call him my wife, uh, Kellen. Uh, oh yes, it's okay. He will proudly wear it, he does, it's okay. He is my lovely wife. I love him so much. Um, well, we met there, and it it was so, I mean, it was so casual. Um, for everyone who knows him, which people, some people will cringe, some people will die. Well, the first thing that Kellen ever said to me, I was sitting in a salon room across the hall. I was talking to my friend Casey, who I refer to as my salon husband. He's, him and I have just worked together for the last eight years. Well, I'm talking to Casey, and Kellen and I have never spoke words to each other. And he was just like, hey, guess what? And I was like, what? Because do you know what I have tattooed on my ankle? I was like, no, I don't. And he has a kitty cat vagina tattooed on his ankle. Did you know that? I didn't know that one. Oh, well, please ask him next time. He's very proud of it. Apparently, he was proud of it that day. He felt like it was very necessary to show me. And I just remember being like, what the hell? Okay good nice to meet you um but you know but then from there it just kind of we just kind of shit talked each other and it was fun and it was just we were just friends beforehand um we would just go on smoke breaks together and we would try to help each other with the relationships that we were in now and um we were still on awkward side hug phase there was no like frontward hug there was no like embrace like we were still on awkward like pat the side of your back awkward side hug um and i remember he came in my salon room one day and just sat down and was like i don't want to wonder um what if with you i just left my fiance and this is mind you y'all there's there's no test driving the car there was no sexual we did not as much as anyone wants to say or think i mean we did karma correctly we did not cheat on each with each other on our others um you know, I was terrified because I'm like, why the fuck would he want to be with somebody, A, he hadn't been sexually with, or I guess I didn't think he would take interest in me enough to make that jump without there being a catch. You know, that's a big jump to yes, be taking yeah. without a catch. So, but that's what made me feel confident about pushing forward with it because I was like, he's willing to make this jump without having like sex mm -hmm. and doing all this. Um, so it made me confident. I went home, <laughs> left my uh, boyfriend of five years at the time. Um, I think the hardest thing about that was leaving my dog with him. Um, well, it technically it was his, but she was mine. But yeah. um, that was the hardest part. But then Kellen and I were, I mean, we have been uh, connected at the hip. We work together, we live together. We've been together every day since we've been together for the last five years. Um, there were probably seven days total in between that we weren't together, um, but it worked. 
Uh, are there days that we butt head? Yes. Um, are there days that we don't get along? Yes. But um, everyone paints this picture nowadays that everyone has to have this like aha moment that they have to have this you know this job this person this trip this whatever and it's like you feel caught up and you are at this like place where you can rest well there's not um life continues uh it just continues to go like when someone does die and you are watching the world around you move and you're like why isn't the world stopping because my world has stopped um it doesn't um days that you sit on the couch and you know you're like oh i wasted a whole day well the whole world continues to move around you um we get stuck in our own brains sometime and we feel uh like the world has stopped and it's not going anywhere but it's always continually to go and it's going fast and the older that you get i just feel like we're on this slippery slope it's going to be Christmas already in the next few months, and we just made it through that. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it just continues, and you just can't stop. So uh, ever since him and I got together, we we just were infatuated. We partied. Uh, we partied all the time. It was just fun. Um, we didn't have anything to, not necessarily to do, but um, we didn't really want to share our relationship with people yet because there was going to be a lot of judgment of him leaving his fiance and me leaving my other so we would go party in dallas every weekend uh at the gay bar we called it magic land so much fun um we were because you didn't I, want to run into people here in fort worth no because they no because no, they judge you and you know and i was the new person at the salon and i was the homewrecker now because uh, all the people had gotten so attached to who he was going to be marrying. Um, I was the new hussy. I was the new homewrecker, mm -hmm. even though Kellen repeatedly cheated on every girlfriend that he's ever had. I think that's why the sexual thing got put on back burner um, because he had whole time before, you know, had gotten the cookie beforehand and it, yep. didn't, it didn't fucking help. Um so, and he had even told me, he kept repeatedly saying, like, don't let me, you know, have it. Not like I was putting it in his face by any means. He was like, I just don't want that to be a part of it yet. Like, I I just don't. I don't want that to be in the mix. And it was, again, that was one of those things that gave me confidence as a woman. Because you never hear that as a woman. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays. The things that I'll either hear my clients tell me or even friends tell me that dudes will say, I can't imagine people being single now. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, it's just so... The respect now and the hookup culture now, I just, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I guess that's why him and I do make it work and it works so well is because yeah. we did have the friendship beforehand. We didn't, there was no like, oh, we had sex. So, you know, I kind of like him or whatever. Like we already had this base of, you know, you can't, you know, a house. You can't put a brand new house on a sh or a brand new roof on a shitty house. Yep. You have to have a good foundation. Yep. Or the roof is going to fucking cave in and all your house, all everything inside is going to crumble. Um, you have to build over time. It's not, a house isn't just there. It's not just printed. It's not just there. You have to lay the foundation. You have to do all the wood and shit. I'm speaking like I know how to build a house, but I fucking no, don't. That makes sense. But, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, and then, of course, after... You know, we partied for a while. Um, I knew that he had had word of 
his kidney like hurting, like we would be like together just partying. He'd be like, God, my back hurts just so bad. Like, well, you know what? And they knew about a little tiny, I guess a few years ago, but they knew about a tiny little kidney stone that wasn't gonna come out that he just had to like deal with. Well, lo and behold, uh, two and a half years in a relationship, uh, 22 millimeter kidney stone. Two and a half years? Yeah. Um, 22 millimeter kidney stone. Um, that put him in the ground. Um, but not enough to make a difference. Um, he has always, you know, he's, he's so gifted. He's so talented. And he can really do anything that he wanted to if he truly gave it his 100%. But he was so used to just either, like he said in the previous podcast, either three-fourths of the way, um, this first kidney stone that he had, it's like he couldn't understand why it was happening to him. Like, why, you know, why was this happening? You know, and then me, I would have to then explain, you know, this shit just happens. You know, people get cancer. People get kidney stones. You know, um, people can have any type of ailment. I mean, diabetes, you know, little things. You could be having to take insulin every day. Um, you know, uh, having to deal then with trying to talk somebody down off a bridge or off a ledge. Um, because, again, it was just such a shock. Like, why would this happen? Well, we knew this was going to happen. Um, yeah. We knew there was a little stone prior. Okay, let's take care of it. Let's move on. Well, you know, with us partying and stuff like that... Um, he, with that kidney stone, he never took pain pills. Um, they would make him sick and they never helped. He would take Xanax. That would help him sleep. Um, that would help him with anxiety, with dealing with having so much pain. Um, you know, I don't know what it feels like. I mean, I was in the hospital for a little bit for my kidney, but I don't know what it feels like to sit on the toilet for almost 12 hours straight, trying to go to the bathroom and you can't, you know, um, and then trying to still have like a positive mentality. Mm -hmm. um, that's hard to struggle with. And then trying not to take things personally. It's it's hard to struggle with. Because, you know, you try not to take things personally, you know, but you do. It's your other. Um, so moving from that stone after he got well, um, you know, partying and still living the rock star lifestyle was something that we both did. We, I mean, we lived in LA for a little bit. I mean, there was no, I guess, slowing down. Um, and we had fun. We've always had fun. We've never had any problems going out. Uh, we're always a good time. Our friends, we all have, have like a good time together. Um, hairstylists and just industry people, we all, I guess we just know how to party. Um, that sounds kind of terrible, but, um, but there was going to be no slowing down. And, the habit of taking Xanax to relieve anxiety and to then move forward, n never quit, you know, and mixing anxiety and alcohol, that, or not anxiety and alcohol, Xanax. mixing, you know, Xanax and alcohol doesn't help. And when you get in a habit, you know, habits are hard to break. You know, biting your nails is a habit and that's hard as hell to break. Um, so even getting on a ritual of taking something like that is hard. Um, I remember being at, uh, when he first found out he had his kidney, his second kidney stone, we were at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, him and I had actually just gotten in an argument outside, and it wasn't anything over him and I. It was like he was in pain. He had been sick all day, and Momo, who was with us, we had no idea why. We're like, why are you sick? Like, we didn't even do anything last night. Again, we don't realize there's a 44-millimeter kidney stone. Um, 
and I just remember him being in pain and we were going to go to this little show down the street and, and he couldn't explain to me, like, and articulate what was bothering him and what was causing him all this pain. And, and, you know, I'm taking it personally and he doesn't know why I'm taking it personally because he's just trying to explain to me that he has pain and we're going back and forth. And we, we then, after we then go to bed and I'm like, what the hell? It, like, why would he be so sick? Like, we're already done with the other kidney stone. He has been, they have named him kidney stone free two weeks ago or three weeks ago that he had just been checked. Um, and they had announced him kidney free. I'm like, there's no fucking way. Prior to that. Yes. Really? Yes. This, this is what makes it even more of a shock. They had just said he was kidney stone free. So I'm like, there's fucking nothing that he's doing to make him act like this. Well, or to be in this much pain. Like if you're in this much pain, something else is going on. Um, you're not just, you know, crying wolf, like something's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so finally when he got back, uh, they, I mean, I could have just fell on the floor. They were like, no, he has a 44 millimeter kidney stone, damn near the size of a golf ball. And again, the shock and the realization with himself that, oh no, it's back. I then have anxiety and have a meltdown because, oh no, like he's not going to be able to handle this. Like, this is not here we go again. Like the first time was already super hard. So here we go again. So from then, uh, he, we start with the first surgery. We're hoping it's one and done because the last, uh, millimeter or the last kidney stone he had had, I think he had gone through about two lithotripsies, two or three, no, two lithotripsies and it was broken up and done. Um, so we were hoping with, um, they had done lithotripsy, but this time they had a claw. The first time it was a separate doctor. It didn't have like the claw basket to then also retrieve it as it shocks it. And mind you, this is all going up through the tip of his uh, penis. Like poor thing had uh, legitly, his penis blew up like a balloon. If the balloon animal, if you will. And they pretty much just send an electric rod through it with a basket on the end and just dragging it through your body. And, you know, so his body took a lot of beating. Um, but it took four, five more times to do that, to collect it all. But in the middle of all of that, hoping and praying every time he came out of the room, you know, he'd be in the bed and he'd look at you like, did they get it all? You know, like, do I tell him the truth? Do I, you know, do we keep him calm? Do we sugarcoat it? You know, he's in pain. Um, this is also before he had the colostomy bag. This is probably the third surgery. This is before they had to put in the drain tube. Oh, no, this is actually, yes, this is the third surgery. So we do the third surgery. Um, we leave. Um, his mental is in the trash. He you know, he can't, again, understand why this is happening again. Why did the first doctor not find this? Why did they tell him he was stone-free? So mentally, he had already like, okay, I put all this behind me. I'm stone-free. And now it's like we're reopening, you know, the pages of the last chapter. And it's like, oh, check it. Like, no, here we go. Here's part two. So um, dealing with, again, now we're re-talking him off a bridge. Well, during talking him off a bridge, I have to keep reminding myself, you know, things that are happening are not personal. And when I say that, you know, him waking up after only being asleep for 45 minutes and um, me being on the phone in the room, like telling you to shut the fuck up, 
not necessarily speaking personal, but you've only been asleep for 30 minutes. You've been trying to go to the bathroom for the last like four hours and you can't. Like, I can't imagine that. Like, and if I heard someone talking loudly in the room, I'd be like, shut the fuck up too, you know? And again, during this time, he is probably three Xanax deep again, because no pain meds to help him. And he, they have him on some kind of like muscle relaxer, uh, you know, the Xanax every damn near two hours. So he is so heavily sedated you know, when you come down off this kind of deal, he never gets to come down off them. Mm-hmm. He's so far down. It's like him coming up is such a struggle. Um, having to remind yourself that a lot of his interaction is drug-induced. It is because, um, God, people on Xanax are zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, again, being – and he was down for six months. He was on it. All the time. I think he did the number. I think he had had, however, so many hundreds of Xanax between Mm -hmm. that time of being sick. Um, And then trying, and then during all of that, you know, nights where he's moaning in bed um, for about six hours straight because he's in so much pain. It's, I can only imagine what parents have to deal with watching their child uh, suffer. Watching him suffer, uh, was probably the hardest thing I've had to do because you can't do anything. You can't no, no, um, no positive words at that moment are going to help. Um, cause they can't see past the day in front of them. Like, you know, he was working towards putting a sock on his foot by himself. You know, he can't, he couldn't see past that. If I, if I was to tell him that at that time, hey, like, in a year, you're going to be doing Spartan races and, like, jumping over shit. And you're going to have, like, this giant majestic mullet and you have created this, like, atmosphere. He would have told me to fuck off. He'd be like, okay, like, keep your positive shit to yourself. He wouldn't have believed me. But going from having a colostomy bag to that, uh, it, it, it's, it's just been such an interesting turn of a phrase because him and I literally would have nights where we didn't sleep at all and I'm trying to keep him from falling over or bleeding on the ground out of his cosme bag um and then trying to tell myself that you know he still loves me it's okay um how did you handle that so like you the you know it's whenever you have that person that you do and you're you're going through it with them right and you can't sugarcoat anything you can't make it better you can't make them stop moaning and there's nothing you can say or do to change it how did you handle that for you um you i wouldn't necessarily say train you have to learn how to adapt and love yourself um I feel like because with what I dealt with <clears throat> growing up, that played a big role in this. Um, because I didn't want him to end up in the same boat. Um, and not necessarily on purpose or by drugs, but just because he was so far down the toilet bowl. He, I couldn't count on him to love me because he couldn't love himself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I had to do it myself. There were nights that I'd sit on the couch and just hug myself as corny as that sounds. Um, you know, every day after getting home ugh, from the salon, you know, I took over his clientele. I'm very thankful. We are both very thankful that we both do the same thing. Um, say if I didn't do hair, his whole clientele would be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for me. I mean, if I just got sick one day, knock on someone, um, you know, thank God that he could absorb that and take care of me. Um, but going to work all day, every day, you know, <clears throat> I while he was in Dallas, um, I would sleep on the uh, hospital chair as much as I could in between nurses coming in and taking blood. And, of course, anybody, which I'm sure many people have, have unfortunately had the opportunity to sleep in a hospital chair. It sucks ass. Um, but then going from the hospital, doing all of my clients, doing all of his clients, telling every single client the exact same story. So about, you know, you explain the story about 10 times to 10 different clients. You explain it another 10 times to other people that work at the salon. You now then explain it to everyone in his family. Then you explain it to everybody in your family. And that's just giving people updates. So you now explain the story, you know, 150 times before you've even gone home. And that's just one day. Yeah, there's no fucking escape. No, no, it wasn't. Um, but again, this is where um, through sickness and through health, um, a lot of people are like, when are y'all getting married? And it's, I don't need a fucking ring on my finger to stand by him if he's sick. And I know he'd do the same for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just people go through things. I mean, again, this is where there's not just like some relationship that's oh, and it's just perfect and it's just so smooth and free-flowing. Some of the best relationships I know still have problems. Mm-hmm. Some of the most strongest people and some of my most favorite couples have the same shit. Everybody's got it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not one fucking relationship in this planet that's got it together. Uh, period. Uh, I mean, there are going to be darker days. There are going to be lighter days. Um, even myself, if I was to tell myself that he would be where he is even mentally now. Um, because b- getting better was one thing. Health is one thing. But a mental health is something completely different. Um, we ha- Him and I had to have very many uh, conversations where we'd end up bawling at each other. Because it's like, you know, just because you're physically now healthy does not mean that mentally doesn't mean we could maybe improve. And it doesn't mean that you have a shit mind or you're not capable. It's just, you know, we mentally get down on ourselves a lot because we see everyone's like highlight reels of their life. No one wants to show the mm-hmm. gritty, AKA why this show is now here. Cause you get to experience the dark side. Um, and we have, I, I had to really learn how to actually like myself and love myself and know that I'm cool. Like I didn't need all of this, like, I guess, validation um, at all. You know, um, whatever. You don't like me? Cool. Fuck it. Whatever. I think it's cool. That's a big transformation then from where, is that before, did you have that same or started that same mentality prior to all this happening or was that your growth and the positive outcome at the end of this? Um, I would probably say during um, my career, I don't think I actually had the discipline to concentrate on my career actually till he got sick. 
not to say that I didn't care about my career before, but um, when he got sick, that's all I had. That's the only thing I had to not necessarily like escape from, but it was the only platform I had to do things. Um, I started posting more on Instagram. Um, I started just involving the clients more. And now my career has definitely now gotten to a place where I've been working my ass off for the last 10 years to get. Um, so, I mean, as much as Kellen's sickness was awful, not only did it benefit him mentally, it benefited me mentally because I had to work through things that I didn't think that I would be either talking about or dealing with now. Um, it taught me how to love myself that I can't stand on my own two feet. And it also taught me this too, and not in a negative way, but I don't need to be shown, like, I don't need, like, a man's love for me to feel validated. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Kellen loves me, but I that during that time, again, I pretty much lived, like, in this tiny little box where it was like, how's Kellen? How is he? How, how is he? He's just so, he's just so amazing. Mm-hmm. How is he? You know, it was always just, how is he? You no, know, like, very few people. I could probably count on one hand how many people in that six months actually asked me how I was doing. Um, really? Mm-hmm. And it's not because people didn't care. People cared because they wanted to know how Kellen's doing. I mean, we're a team, you know. They want to know how their boy's doing. That's not anything negative. That's not anything negligent on their part. It's just people, you know, the caretakers in any sense. Like either with parents that are getting older. I have a a friend that's taking care of her parents, you know, uh, getting older. And she has all these turmoils and stuff all the time. And I actually now go out of my way to tell her she's doing a good job because I know what it feels like. Like, you know, you deserve a high five. Like, you you know, you have to give yourself, like, the personal high five because no one else is going to give you that gold star. Mm-hmm. And do you really give a shit if they give you that gold star? I mean, does it really help if some random person, you know, is like, you're just doing so good, you know, la, la, la. You know, it's, it, you accept it and you're like, thank you, you know. But, you know, take the time to sit down and, like, talk to somebody. Like, you know, you know, can I take, you know, do you need to talk about anything? Like, would you like to go have like dinner and like escape for a little bit? You know, um, again, there really wasn't a whole lot of that. Um, uh, again, I just, there's no fault by any means. I'm not trying to say like, oh, no one took care of me, but you just learn to adapt. You have to, you just learn to, you know, take care of yourself. You learn to love yourself. You learn to, um, find out what you like and you don't like. Um, that's a big struggle for people though but I think it's that's why I'm glad you're doing the show is 99% of the population don't love themselves they have a hard time yes. looking at themselves in the mirror they have a hard time just being able to tell themselves that they did a good job yes so knowing that the struggle you're going through and I think it's uh, you went through it's a very valid because we talked about this even before we started recording the 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 push down of how people take their emotions and they cram them down when they don't feel like the world is actually responding to them. Yes. And it's big that the way that you released that was showing yourself love. But I think the other point behind that is it's very important for people listening or for whoever gained something from the show, if you know somebody that is being a caretaker, whether that's with their parents, if it's their kid, Mm -hmm. 
it's not just a person that is being taken care of that is going through some shit. Yes. It's it's the person that's actually given the care taken because they don't have a release. So they are. They're reliving the fucking story mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Absolutely. And I guess if they don't have anybody to release it with, they release it with themselves, which is, that's big. That's very big. Well, and I've learned to... Um and again, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. I'm the most positive person on the planet. But um, I have learned that people kind of just don't care. And it's not, again, it's not anything personal. It's just you'll tell like people your problems and they, A, have never experienced it. So they don't know how to give you advice, nor do they know how to react or how to comfort you. Um, so they don't know what to do with the information. And it almost frustrates you more because they don't understand and not necessarily like you're not getting the response that you want but you almost feel more defeated because now they like know this personal information about you and they don't know anything about it and you're worried about they're going to go tell someone else Mm -hmm. like i feel like you know with relationships you know you no girlfriends or no friends like they don't want to tell you bad things that are going on in the relationship because then you think bad about that person Mm But that doesn't mean there's a shitty person. Everyone goes through shit. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you should judge that person because they're going through that. Um, you know, everyone is going to have a problem. That's like saying that you're not going to have a problem with a family member or a sister. Like, everyone's not going to get along at some point. Um, but that's the communication, I guess, that you build. Um, but, I mean, even today... There, there are some things, I'm surprised that y'all could maybe understand what I was saying, uh, that I haven't spoke about um, in the last <laughs> 10 years. Um, so I guess over time you learn that you can't rely. I guess that's my point. You can't rely on anyone else. You can't rely on anyone else to bring happiness. You can't depend on anyone else to love yourself. You can't depend on anyone else to mentally take care of you but you. The second that you give that dependency to someone you're always going to be let down because not everyone has the same heart as you no one has the same mentality as you that's what makes us all so different so expecting someone to give you the exact response of how you would do it, it's almost unfair because again everyone's different no one is going to have the exact same response so you can't let them make that seem like a failure because they're just not responding how you wanted to yeah. does that make sense well it's it's, it's trying to Trying to seek whatever you're trying to seek with something external. Yes. When you're not going to find anything that you're looking for external. It's got to be internal. Yes. And I think that's why people feel like they have failed of finding love for themselves. is because they're not reciprocating it from people. And they're putting that dependency in the validation of others. And you just can't. And I was so over doing that. I was so over just waiting for someone to just baby me or show me that attention like who fucking cares like show it to yourself i i started getting hydrofacials and doing like self-care um and i love it and now that him and i are on this um because of his diet change with the kidney stones and trans you know and transforming into this new you know more into fitness lifestyle it's benefited the both of us to a t um I, you know, for anyone who knows me, I ate fast food three times a day for a long period of my time. I probably should have died of heart failure a long time ago. Um, but now I have not eaten McDonald's in like over a year. I don't eat Wendy's. I, I, we just don't 
have that awful lifestyle anymore because now we feed ourselves with good stuff and as corny as that sounds yes what you put in your body does make a difference um it's been beneficial his positive transformation has been even better for me because now instead of me being so worried about him like oh my god is he okay same thing with everyone else like is he okay like is everything all right now i don't have that weight of okay now he's great Hell yeah. Like now I'm way more excited when people come in the room and they're like, how'd the race go? Like mm-hmm. how'd that go? That's so positive. Uh, we have a great time going. Um, it's just so much more fun of a lifestyle. Now our vacations are like, let's plan a hiking trip. Let's go to Salt Lake City and do a hike out there. Not like let's find the closest bar and get shit faced till three in the morning blow $400 because we turn into the $30,000 millionaires that are like, you get a shot and you get a shot. Yeah. So it's just so much better um i didn't think we would be at this point i didn't know with how he was going to transform into this physical and how like our relationship was going to change because our relationship was not all of it but it was like partying going out and doing all these fun things and now we still go out and do all these fun things um but now it's like even better now we wake up and we can do we did a uh 12,000 foot hike this summer um, he would have never done that two years ago. Yeah. He's not, he's a glamper or now not anymore. He would probably sleep in the dirt now, but two years ago he went camping for a night and you would have thought that was just the worst night of his life. He slept on a blow up mattress, you know, it maybe rained a little bit, but he was not outside person. He is Mr. Five star. Yeah. Now I would never thought I'd say this, but he would probably make a pillow out of a rock and sleep in the dirt. Um, you know, I guess you just can't give up on people so easily because you're just not getting like results fast enough. Uh, things take time. Um, people want oven results with like mo- microwave time, mm-hmm. you know, um, it just takes building. And I guess my point is it just, you have to love yourself to love that other person because now our relationship's even better because he's now loving himself too. And our relationships even bloom. So he's not the same person that I started dating. He wasn't, he's now not the same person he was two years into it. He's not the same person he was a year ago and neither am I. But you never asked for that change. And I think that's, I think that's huge uh, for people to understand because people spend so much fucking time and effort trying to change that person to fit whatever fucking mold they want them to. Yes. You didn't ever ask for the change. No. Which, that's how it's supposed to work. That's why it was easy. Yeah. Well, I say easy in a very loose sense, but I guess that's why it wasn't pressured. We he's never pressured me to do or be anything, and I've never told him no either. Like you know, you do you. Like you want to rock a big giant majestic mullet, fucking do it. You know. Mm you want to grant it please Kellen if you're listening don't tattoo your face but you know if you want to fucking tattoo your face tattoo your face but um you have to adapt like you know you're not the same person you were a year ago um something could have happened to you a week ago um that changes you Mm -hmm. um you you change from almost day to day yes um flatter revolution I mean it really is um and so I'm just thankful for the ride um did it suck? Yeah. There were some very dark moments. There were moments that I was like, how am I going to survive this? Um, how are we as a relationship going to make it? And then now it's like, when you look back, I mean, nothing, 
nothing comes easy. Like every everything that you've ever worked for that's worth it has had to take work. Mm-hmm. You know, things that have come easy don't feel as worth it. They don't yeah. feel as, um, you know, you earned. just yeah, earned. Thank you. Um, yes. And so now that we're here, it, it's just it's just so nice. You know, it it's definitely a relief. Um, you know, he's he's come so far. I have come so far, and I think that's why we work so well together. Is because. You know, our demons kind of play with each other, I guess. Um, they get along well. Um, yeah. He's very much a woman, and I'm very much kind of a dude. So yeah. it's like yin and yang. Um, I don't know. We just kind of balance each other out perfectly, I guess. Uh, but it did take some work, you know. But you can't give up on your other like that. Everyone's got their own stuff. There's no book. I hate these magazines that are like, top ten ways to... Save a relationship or top three ways to like make oh, your man happy. Fucking Christ. Christ. Like, can we really, ladies, whoever is writing this or whoever's reading it and believing it? I mean, there's no cookie cutter plan or one through ten that you can read that is yeah. going to help you feel good about yourself or make them. You, I, I could love Kellen during his darkened time. I would give him so much love and it didn't matter because mm-hmm. he didn't love himself. It, you can't overflow them with it and then expect them to they have to do something about it um, well it's, it's tough too and that's, that's why I'm grateful that you decided to do this because people with in relationships especially now with, with where social media is mm. is we talk about not seeing the ugly yes there's a fuck ton of ugly yes there's a fuck ton of it and nobody puts it out on social media, no. so everybody and their dog is constantly grading their life over what this person has, what they just posted. But what you're not seeing is 20 minutes ago, they could have been throwing shit at each other, yep. but they're not going to see it. So you no. see this constant change and not satisfied or nothing's ever good enough. Mm-hmm. And what you went through is you're not going to post a picture of you hugging yourself on the fucking no, couch. Absolutely not. You know? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen and yes. probably happened more than one you would take oh, with yeah. Kellen. Absolutely. And so that's it's it's huge what you went through and how you dealt with it. And I hope that people can find it in themselves even in that dark of a situation to love themselves more. Because nobody else is going to do it. Well, and also to pass less judgment. Like people are, that's why people don't post the bad things on Instagram or in just any social media platform in general because you immediately get judged and the other person gets judged. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I feel like a lot of times, you know, especially for women or maybe even men too, they don't, you know, you don't tell the parent, your parents the fight that you had with your significant other because it's not necessarily like they're biased. But they're kind of biased, you know, and they judge the other person. But it's not a fight that they hadn't had themselves. But it's the fact that either you're their daughter or their son that it's a problem. And so I feel like people, you know, they I feel like people would be more willing to talk about their struggles and their problems if they weren't so judged immediately. Um, And and I've been, you know, I've been guilty of it, too. Um, 
you know, clients will tell me things and I'm like, oh, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. You know, he's whatever else. But I don't, you know, I don't know his side. I don't know. There's always two sides to every story. So I think that's where the judgment comes from of like, oh, well, I won't talk about my struggles because then they judge him or her. And then there's now this conflict between them, even though that they're better now. Um, So I just feel like even with all I feel like hairstylists tattoo artists anybody who truly gets to really know somebody within that time frame you're almost a therapist so talking with all these people I just feel like there needs to be less judgment we're also quick to oh you know this and that and they shouldn't be doing that well who how do you know they should be doing that Mm -hmm. who are you to say yep you have your own shit going on like why are you so quick to judge and say that they whatever your opinion is so um I feel like that has a lot to do with it, that people are so just taken back, like, oh, my God, nope, my life's perfect. Everything's yep. fine. We're, we're beautiful. Even though we fucking hate each other two days of the week, everything's still beautiful. I mean, I don't know. Just shake the perfect mantra of where it, where it has to be. It doesn't have to be that. That's yep. what you mentally may think it is, and that's going to work against you. Yep. So if, if we're coming up on time anyway... Um, if you have your one final thought, what you want to express to anybody listening, what would that be? Well, thank you for listening to me ramble, first off and foremost. Um, I guess I would say this. Don't forget about yourself. Um, I guess don't seek validation <clears throat> about yourself in other people you need to be okay with yourself you need to love who you are because why would you love anybody else nor how could you judge anybody else if you can't even love the person that you are um it takes time this isn't a light switch it doesn't just flip on it doesn't just happen this isn't a guidebook on on how to love yourself this is just an example of what um you know trials and tribulations that you go through um you're not alone um by any means whether you are the person going through physical addiction or whatever you may be going through or if you're the caretaker i mean you're not alone the person sitting next to you the person you pulled up to at the light today that you shared an awkward look with on accident you know that person is going through things that you have no idea um are going on so you know, maybe be a little less judgy. You know, I'm working on that as well. Um, be a little bit more open and give yourself a break. Um, you yourself do not have to be perfect all the time. You yourself do not have to be held at this high standard 24-7. And if, God forbid, if it's not where you want it to be, you punish yourself. Um, you're okay to grow and to live and adapt. So I guess that would be my ending point is just give yourself a break and... Uh, I guess, learn to like yourself. Very good. I want to thank you. (laughs) It's not easy easy to talk about, um, but people need to hear it because it's not easy being that person and being in your shoes with what you were going through. So kudos to you for Well, thanks. That That was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, It'll be posted up soon. Uh, follow all the hashtags we'll have everybody tagged in all of it Um, hit us up on email if you have any questions Uh, once again thanks for listening